0: Hey everybody. Good morning. It is Sunday, September 11th, 2022. It's the 21st anniversary of uh, one of the uh, saddest, uh, most tragic days in American history. I don't want to just breeze over that. It's important to me. It's important to my family. So I wanted to say to you, if you're not big into history, I would highly suggest go back, watch some of the watch some of the videos of that day. There's so many things you can just look up real quickly on YouTube right here. Um, about September 11 and grasp the magnitude of it if you haven't if you're my age it's no problem remembering it but I remember that uh, really clear Tuesday morning like it was yesterday so I didn't want to breeze over that but it is September 11 it's a a day we should remember but but let's talk a little bit about what happened yesterday at ross Aid Stadium um, good morning to you and yours. Uh, like I said, it's a Sunday morning. It's a uh, drenched Sunday morning here in central Indiana as uh, the rain has been coming down in buckets here since yesterday on our drive home from Rossade, We took uh, 52 to 65 and when we hit 65, we could see it coming. We could see the storm coming and we had right into the teeth of it and it was like, man, just buckets of rain. 65 and 52 both had just standing water on them. If you drove home, hope you got home safely. Um, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a difficult drive, um, but fun day. Um, I'm a big fan of watching Purdue dominate other teams. I mean, I like good football, of course, but I really don't like good football when Purdue's involved because, I mean, that's wrong, that's wrong. I don't like good, you know, fun, competitive football games when Purdue's involved as much as I like Purdue just shellacking a team. And I don't care who it is, whether it's Indiana State or whomever. I, I, that's, that's the type of football I want to see. So yesterday was kind of a fun day for me. It was a little hot. Felt like it was about, I don't know, 145 degrees in the sun on our side of the stadium. Um, Dave from the site, he has the rich guy seats across the way in the shade in the box, and, and he said everything was fine over there in the shade. But on our side, <clears throat> it was swelteringly hot and um, until the cloud cover moved in, and then it was quite pleasant. But it was pleasant all day for people in black and gold and people on the Purdue sideline. Purdue, of course, was in the shade, which was nice for them, Coach Brahm and company. And let's go over the game a little bit. Let's just go how, how it unfolded. If you didn't get to watch the game, I'm sorry. If you haven't watched it on tape, you should go back and watch it. It's a fun one. The first play from scrimmage, Sanusi Kane came up and run support, put his helmet right on the ball, made a textbook tackle. The ball popped into the air about, looked like about 12 feet. And right away, Cam Allen was there to jump on it. Four plays later, Purdue scored. Um, and they scored. Uh, Tyrone Tracy ran the ball, which we wanted to see versus Penn State. He didn't do that. Um, and finally, and uh, a big, a big, uh, I think it was completion. Well, no, um, a big, yeah, it was a completion. Crossed left to right to Tracy, and he had a run, and then you capped it off with a King Daru, uh four yard touchdown. Uh, Purdue right away was up 7 0. Before you could even blink, Purdue's up 7 0. A couple plays later, Jack Sullivan gets involved with a big uh, quarterback sack. He just bull rushed his guy, overpowered him, and it felt like, okay, this is a little bit different than Penn State. Purdue just was stronger, more powerful, faster. They were better than Indiana State at every position all day. With maybe one exception, Indiana State had a couple drives where they came down the field. One of them specifically, um, Trice got burnt badly on a a deep ball to the left corner. It put Indiana State down um, inside the five. Two plays later, I believe, Indiana State threw a ball into traffic where um, the ball was tipped in the air. And uh, Brown comes up with the ball, runs it out of the end zone, gets out about 11, 12 yards. That's the type of day it was for Purdue. Purdue, of course, as you can see from the the thumbnail, wins fifty six to zero. We can review. Let's 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 do this before we go too far deep into <clears throat> anything else. Just like the fun parts of the game, let's just go raw stats. Let's look at this. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, uh, he had no okay K day. Seventeen for 19, uh, 211 yards, four touchdowns, and. Aiden O'Connell, the way he threw the ball was incredible. He had uh, a couple, let me, there were three passes specifically that I made a note of. One, uh, he had a, uh, a, a seam route to Paul Peferri. Uh Paferi just ran, nothing fancy, just dead sprint. I think Purdue was on the, I want to say like the 22 or the 19 or something like that. And O'Connell put the ball just in the place where nobody else could get it but him and kind of forced the ball to stick right into Paferi's. Shoulder pads. Tough catch to make, I'm told, for tight ends because you're not doing anything but turning your head and the ball has to be there. Great pass on the dime. Second great pass was to Charlie Jones and he threw, uh, O'Connell threw a drop in the bucket down into the right hand corner of the end zone because Jones shook his guy so badly. He just did a shoulder fake to the inside. The corner bit. Actually, maybe gone to outside. The corner bit it, and then Jones turns on the jets. O'Connell puts it on the top of the uh, S in the in the end zone, or on the top of the E, maybe. Can't remember which end zone. But right, right down in the right-hand deep corner of the end zone, Jones didn't have to break stride. Touchdown, Purdue. And then one other, a short uh, corner route to Charlie Jones. Those three balls specifically by O'Connell were just incredibly thrown, perfectly thrown. And the really great thing about yesterday, not only did uh, O'Connell get to sit the entire second half, so did Charlie Jones. So did Payne Durham. um, And a host of other guys that I think Braum really made a conscious effort saying, okay, we're going to rest a lot of guys. They got to rest all of them, and Purdue still dominated. Some interesting parts of the game to me. On top of just O'Connell's tack-sharp play, four Purdue quarterbacks played, all had a completion. I've uh, Got to see a little bit of Brady Allen. But the, the quarterback that impressed me outside of O'Connell uh, was Michael Alamo. Alamo, his arm is so lively. He threw a pass, uh, a timing route to the left side. It comes out of his, his hand so fast. Uh, a good friend of mine who sits with us, he said, um, It's not quite as lively as Sindelar's arm. But it's close, and I would say that I agree with that. It was fun to see Alamo do that. Alamo makes decisions quickly, it looks like. He also had a, uh, a designed run where he went right up, took some contact. He's got a big body. He handled it. Burton looked fine. Uh, he was 3 for 3 for 33 yards, but just Alamo's arm looked better. Allen looks like a freshman. Um, uh, he's big, strong body. We didn't get to see much of him. He only had three passes. Let's go to the next. Uh, the, we had... Uh, we... Purdue had four running backs play um, play yesterday, all with at least three carries. On that side, you had just an amazing performance by uh, walk on Devin Maccabee. Maccabee is a uh, redshirt freshman, from, if I'm correct. Um, and I think that's really cool about Maccabee. I talked about him in the preseason. I'll talk, my, talk about him again now. And the thing I'll say now is he's kind of reformed himself. He's bigger and stronger than he was, he plays a bruising style of football he's reminiscent a bit of horvath but i think he's got more athleticism which is impressive because horvath is a, an incredible athlete but Maccabee, like i said former track and field star and he looked at yesterday 13 carries 78 yards six yards a carry had a touchdown i think that was the one from right to left where he dove in and found the end zone really really impressive run Uh, Dylan Downing, another guy that impressed me because of his, you know, we saw him versus Penn state a little bit, but Downing looks like a different human being because of that. Um, because of that weight loss in the off season and the rededication to, to just kind of being in shape, he runs different. He looks different on the field. Kobe Lewis saw him, uh, he had 12 carries 37 yards. Tyrone Tracy as a running back actually looks like a running back and man, he is quick with the ball in his hands. A lot of fun there. Um, Purdue had another 12 wide receivers with a catch. Pretty noteworthy. Uh, Most noteworthy, of course, Charlie Jones, who I don't think played a down in the second half as well. Nine receptions, 133 yards, (laughs) 14.8 yards per reception, three touchdowns. Tyrone Tracy had four receptions. Deion Burks, nice to see him getting involved. Two receptions. Paul Pfefferia, that big touchdown. Uh, Preston Terrell got involved. Uh, There was another one i like to see. Colin Sullivan. Uh, I was hoping we'd uh, get to see Steptoe catch the ball. He did not. Um, I don't even think he got in the game. If he did, you can tell me in the margin that I'm wrong. Look forward to hearing about that. Um try to see if there's anything else that I put in my notes. Uh, Sanusi Kane played a great game. He had seven tackles, led the team. Cam Allen uh, didn't have a ton of passes defended. He was just reading all day. Uh, one of his key reads, of course, was that read of the quarterback, produced second pick six of the season. Kim Allen has an interception with a pick six, and then he had two fumbles recovered. And, of course, Brown had that interception in the end zone. The defense was solid. Um, 23 defenders had a tackle. Okay, that's a dominant performance. That's the way you're supposed to play. I think, I can't remember who said it. I think it was our pal Greg McManus said, if, if Purdue has anything less than a dominant performance and scoring 40 points and winning by three touchdowns, then it's a disappointing day. I don't ever like going into games saying that um, just because you never really know what you're going to get. And there are historically, you know, the, the FCS teams sometimes do beat the FBS schools. It happens. That was not going to happen yesterday. I didn't think there was any chance it was going to be like the, um, the game during the Hazel years where... It was a nail-biter and had to be sealed by Ricardo Allen that we've talked about earlier in the week. But um, I also didn't think it'd be 56-0 uh, to zero and like that. Purdue, Purdue could have won by a lot more than 56. Jeff Brom took his foot way off the gas, rightfully so, mercifully so. Um, Purdue played 60 players versus Penn State. I heard that going into the, into the stadium last week. And they had to play... I mean, is it wrong for me to say they played eighty players? I, I, it felt like it, because there were guys all over the field. I didn't know who they were. Um, we got to see Karloftis play. Yanni Karloftis played. I think he had two tackles. Pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, I'm sorry, my my uh, uh, text messages are being lit up a little bit. Um, sorry for the dinging. Uh, I'm gonna go to the margins right now. I'm only eleven minutes in, but it, it was. I, I don't know if there's much more to talk about. Syracuse won handily. Um, yesterday and that looks like that could be a fun game uh for college football fans whereas i don't um that's at noon next week but i don't really want again i don't want it to be a close game i want purdue to dominate as i always do but uh could be a little bit better game than we thought college football treated us really well if you're like me and you're a dork and you eat this stuff up there were so many fun games. Marshall beating Notre Dame. Nebraska losing at home to Georgia Southern. My cousin played volleyball at Georgia Southern. She was She's one of the tall ones in the family. Um, anyway, before I go any further, before I go into the margins and see what we have to say here, um, let me just remind you, go to martinvintage.com. Get a shirt like the one I'm wearing. If you're listening, you can't see the shirt. If you're watching, you can. Um, but Interboil check checkout, get 15% off. Uh, this one... It's a beaut. Uh, Feels good. Looks good. You'll look better in it than I do just because of the nature of your looks, I assume. And uh, it's great. They're great people. Purdue people. Uh, Head over to Martin Vintage right after you get done with this video. Second thing. When you're in town in two weeks and you're going to watch Purdue play Florida Atlantic, um, head over to AJ's. And Before you go there, if you want to order your food ahead, go to eatajs.com. Great people. Purdue people. Lots of TV screens, lots of beers on tap, lots of good uh, bar food to eat. Um, can't go wrong, eatajays.com. So let me go to the margins here, uh, thanks to Nathan Hardman. He actually sits behind me, I think I've said that. Uh, it's great, got to see his little ones. Uh, they were troopers, it was so hot in the first half, he was doing everything he could to keep them happy. When that cloud cover went off, uh, his his boys were happy. Uh, everybody was happy. But uh, Nathan says long time no see, no kidding my friend. Uh, Yeah, great. Uh, Max, good to see you. Haven't seen you in a while. Nice to see you here watching the show live. It's good. Um, Ultimate Boiler says, great to see a good team do what a good team should do. This is a good point, and I wanted to expound upon this. Okay, last year, Purdue kind of handled their business, did what they're supposed to do versus UConn, right? That was a big, big deal because UConn was bad. Purdue came into Connecticut. I think it's at Stores, Connecticut. And um, they just Leveled them, right? That was a game we got to see O'Connell do some magical things. But, um, yeah, Purdue handled their business then. We really haven't seen a lot of these games under Jeff Brom in ross Stadium where a team comes in and Purdue just wipes them out from the beginning. Tiller used to be exceptionally good at that. Tiller teams would just leave no doubt and just destroy teams. That's what Purdue did yesterday, so that's great. Uh, it's a great thing to see. Ultimate Boiler House says, beautiful hit by Kane, and it was. It was textbook perfect football. Uh, awesome, awesome play, awesome hit. Everybody was swarming around the ball all day. Um, let's see. Nathan Hartman says, uh, my Iowa fan friend is so mad about Jones. It's hilarious. Your Iowa fan friend um, needs to understand the root cause, right? It's not just that um, Jones has found a good fit which he has. It's also that Jones has gone from a completely inept offense with a quarterback in Petrus who seems to be throwing with his incorrect hand. You watch that guy. He is not not what he was supposed to be. I remember he was a high three-star, low four-star, depending upon the recruiting service you looked at. He was recruited by a lot of places. He's from out west. But I was hyped to have him playing quarterback, and I think he started his redshirt freshman year. He's been there a long time, and he has not progressed. He has not gotten better. He's a big body. He's got a big arm. But, man, that offense, they are not good. The over-under for the iowa State game yesterday was like 39.5 points. And I joked with Jay. I said, hey, that's way too high. And Jay's like, that's an incredibly low number. I don't bet on sports. Okay, I never do. And um, last time I did it, I was in fifth grade. Purdue versus IU basketball game on the bus on the way to St. Matthews School in Indianapolis. I lost the bet. I lost the dollar. I didn't have the money to pay, and I learned my lesson. I will never bet on sports. So um, anyway, I joked about it with Jay. I would have taken the under. He took the over. I don't know how much money. I really don't understand this, and, and I was right because I had watched Iowa play. Again, Iowa had seven points yesterday. The only touchdown they scored, I think they lost 10 to 7. So I would make 17 points. My math is really good. I went to Purdue. Um, and the only reason they got seven points was because they had an interception, I think, that put them down there on the 16 or the 19, and then they scored a couple plays later. Iowa's offense is on the struggle bus. Um, let's see. Yeah, Michael Hogg says he likes to zip on Alamo's ball. Same here with me. Um, yeah, it was great. Uh, it's great to see him playing, and uh, great to see his. You know, we really haven't gotten to see a whole bunch of Alamo. Like when you see him in the spring game, you're like, okay, man, the, the ball does come out with velocity. He can spin it, but he looked very impressive. Um, I hope we get to see more of him in this type of setting where Purdue gets a lead and they're able to put it on cruise control. I still think Burton's number two on the depth chart. Maybe maybe you guys can tell me if that's correct, but I believe Burton is second on the depth chart. I just think Alamo looks like a better quarterback. I know Alamo's got some moxie to him. He's got a, he's got a healthy confidence about him, um, but – Gosh, he looks pretty impressive to me, and I would love to see him get some more reps if Purdue can get out in front of a team like Florida Atlantic, like Syracuse, who knows, and seal a game. Let's see. Uh, Dylan, our pal, says Notre Dame-Nebraska made his weekend. Yeah, Dylan has a – I saw on Instagram this morning – has a, an arrangement of televisions very simple, similar to Jay Money's. If you haven't seen it on Twitter, Jay will post every now and again. I think Jay has – I think he's got four TVs set up. And somebody can correct me if they've seen it. I think he's got two, and then he's got two flanked. Um, I think Dylan only has three. Uh, that's pretty weak, Dylan. The cool thing is, if you're like me and you've got YouTube TV, they're they're starting a uh, four-picture breakdown. I think it's this week or next week. They said it was supposed to happen last week. But that'll be awesome, because then we can all be like Dylan and Jay and pretend we're uh, living the living the lavish lifestyle like uh, the elites, the one-percenters uh, there. Um, let's see. Uh, Theodore Berkey says Jones alone has like 30 less yards than the entire Iowa offense with two less quarters playing in time. Yeah, that's not an exaggeration. Uh, I saw that stat yesterday, Theodore on, um, or Teddy, I don't know what you go by. Um, on Twitter, uh, it's an incredible stat. I think it's in our Twitter feed. If you want to see, if you want to scour through a little bit, um, uh, one of the guys it 's funny there's a there 's an Iowa fan who 's very anti uh, Ference as the offensive coordinator the young Fer that 's Brian um, and I think he 's kind of going scorched earth he 's just telling the story He started following us hes he 's feeding us information uh, it 's pretty pretty interesting what 's happening over there at Iowa and watching this uh, offense squirm. Remember Iowa for a long time you know they never were great they 've had good passers kind of pop in um, but they've been a you know a very strong running team for a long time. In fact, they a lot of times they'd have, they'd be injured, they'd be depleted, and they'd get their third string running back, would just start, you know, going looking like Herschel Walker or something, averaging four to six yards a carry, coming out of nowhere. This year, that team just can't move the ball. Uh, their defense is quite good though, statistically still. So um who knows? I have a hard time, like a lot of Purdue fans just think, put that one in Sharpie, put the Purdue Iowa game in Sharpie. I have a hard time with that. I can't imagine Iowa not being motivated to play Purdue this year, especially with two of their guys across on the other side of the team. Plus, let's not forget, Iowa had a defensive back transfer into Purdue a couple of years ago who didn't stick. So this is kind of a theme now. It's almost like IU and Iowa players when they're, when they're refugees of the program they come to Purdue and it ends up pretty good. Uh, the, the success rate is really high right now. um, Let's see. Got a lot of people on here. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Dylan talks about the big Louisville win, which I think was Friday night. Um, that was a good thing. I am all for Satterfield getting a contract extension for many, many reasons. Hashtag extend uh, Scott Satterfield. If you want to start that or continue that uh, that hashtag campaign, I think Satterfield deserves that extension. Um, let's see. Theodore Brookie, one more. Imagine a Nebraska offense with uh, an Iowa defense and special teams. That would be a fun team to watch. Let's go back to this Nebraska problem again. When I say Nebraska problem, it's not a problem to us. Uh, I think everybody who watches them from a neutral standpoint would say, let's also hashtag extend Scott Frost. It's been very entertaining to watch Nebraska not only lose this many games, but lose the games the way they have. They did it again where they lost a one score game. and I think Frost is now 5 and 22 in one score games. An incredible stat. They're the opposite of clutch, obviously. And yes, and yesterday it felt like they might turn the tide. If you watch the uh Georgia Southern's final drive, they went to fourth down I think on the 40-45 and the the catch that that extended the drive was by a little number two wide receiver. He was uh, in the slot for Georgia Southern. And the ball was deflected, but he made a great play, went up and got it, um, kept the drive going. And let's not forget, Georgia Southern is co- coached by Clay Helton, uh, former USC uh, coach, and uh, that's another guy, Jay, brought this point up. Nebraska could have gotten him as their coach, and he'd probably be really solid, but Nebraska would be very angry because he'd probably only be a 7-9 to nine win Coach per year, right, uh, and that does not make Nebraska fans happy, unless it's Scott Frost, when they just look the other way perpetually, because their favorite son can do no wrong. I am shocked. It's eleven o'clock. I still haven't seen an announcement from Nebraska that um, that Scott Frost has been fired, and I'm only half kidding. I, I they have a deal. If you haven't, if you've been had your head in the sand on social media. Frost contract his buyout drops from 15 million down to 7.5 million on, on october 1st i think that's the date we're gonna hear that scott frost has uh, coached his final game at nebraska and i'm convinced we have an internal uh debate we had we talked about on this handsome on the handsome hour that urban meyer will be offered the job at nebraska that's my thought nobody agrees with me uh at boiled sports. If you don't think Nebraska fans are desperate enough for a winner that they would offer urban Meyer, the job you're crazy. They want to win. I think urban Meyer would win there. Uh, Anish thinks urban Meyer will not be a winning college football coach. Again, a lot of things can happen when you are willing to do whatever it takes to win. He's done it different ways. Remember at Florida, he just had a bunch of guys that were felons that he didn't, you know, he had the police department in his pocket down in Gainesville. At Ohio State, they just cheated to get guys on t- campus. Well, the cheating's a little different now. You got to get creative to be a better cheater now because you can pay players to get on campus. But maybe, you know, do things like North Carolina has or Syracuse has where you have, um, you know, uh, cardboard box classes where it doesn't really matter. You know, you just – kids don't have to go to class anymore. Maybe uh, they do things with their test scores. Who knows? Uh, Urban Meyer's willing to do it, and we know that. He's a man of low character. So – um, That's my big prediction is that Urban Meyer will be dressed in red yet again in Lincoln. But who knows? I could be wrong. So we can talk about that later. You guys can tell me I was wrong in a few months when it happens. So um, anyway, yeah, I don't. Nathan, I I agree. We don't want Frost to leave. Nobody wants Frost to leave. But uh, eventually this wonderful chapter is going to end for everybody else. Thanks again to Martin Vintage and AJ's. Thank you for tuning in live. Thank you for tuning in taped if you're there. Um, we'll talk this week about the upcoming Syracuse game. We're probably going to have a handsome hour with at least three of us, maybe four of us present. It all depends on schedules and, um, and I will have at least one, if not two quick cast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Good to see some of you guys at the stadium, Nathan and others. Um, and, uh, we'll see you again at Florida Atlantic, but, um, we'll talk to you soon. Um, Well, let me get get one more comment. Mark Garrity says, I feel like Urban is damaged goods at this point. I feel like it's grasping at straws to move to grab him. Mark, I'm not going to argue with your point, but you really don't think Nebraska is willing to go into that damaged goods bin to pick up Urban Meyer because of his record? Think about it. Just think about it for a second. His record is incredible. He's had three programs that he's led to national prominence. He's a winner, regardless of how he wins, he's a winner. And that's hard to find. There are not a lot of coaches like that around. Now, the question, Anisha's big point, I'll tell you, I I believe I understand. He thinks that Meyer has damaged his brand so much because of his time in the NFL that he doesn't, he's not going to be able to build a coaching staff. Here's my counterpoint to that. Number one, A lot of guys still want to coach for Urban Meyer because they know that he has won in the past. The second thing, they are going to have very, very, very deep coffers and pockets to build a coaching staff with at Lincoln. They will spare no expense. So he will go after the guys that he wants to go after. And if you think that every college football coach in America is so ethical that he will not go coach for Urban Meyer, you are nuts. You're crazy. So, yes, he's damaged goods. I agree. No, he's not damaged enough that he can't build the staff. And no, I don't think he's for, I, forgotten how to coach. So that's my big point. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Theodore Bregge says, Nebraska wouldn't like the character of Meyer. Nebraska would love the winning that ne- Urban Meyer would bring. And I think that would gloss over all the problems, at least for a couple years. Until the, the Lincoln has turned into a place where you just have guys that are – I don't know, attempted murderers running around campus. That happened under Urban Meyer in Florida until he had his horribly tragic heart issue that, that kicked him out of Gainesville. So yeah, poor guy. He's, he's got his health, at least, under, uh, you know, in reps. Let's, let's not forget, let's, if we, we're going to talk about the ethics and the morals and the uh, character of Urban Meyer. If his character is such a problem, why does he have a job at Fox Answer the question, right? That, to me, that's it right there. That guy is toxic. I completely agree. You agree. But Fox wanted him on TV. Why? Because there are a lot of people that want to tune in to see what Urban Meyer has to say. And if you think that's isolated just to fans and people that turn on their TVs, you're crazy. All it would take is one athletic director. Jay thinks um, that—I think we we talked about Florida and Texas— I don't think Sarkisian's going to be out quickly at Texas. That's a blue chip job. Obviously they've all said, Oh, it's going to be warm weather. I don't know why we'd say that. I think Nebraska's a great fit. You drop an a hundred million dollar contract, which is kind of the style of the day, right? The elite coaches get a hundred million dollars, even non elite coaches, guys that just have hype machines around them like Franklin and like, um, Oh shoot. There's, there's another one that has a hundred million dollar contract right now that has not proven himself. Um, Multiple hundred million dollar contracts in America and college football right now, and you don't think Urban Meyer is going to get a hundred million dollar contract at Nebraska if they went that way? Oh, you're crazy. I think they would, and I think uh, Trev Alberts. I think he's going to be fine. Trev Alberts. I don't think I. Um, I think he would be a okay with signing a, the splashiest of hires in Lincoln. That's just my theory. And I could be very wrong. So, again, now I'm at 27 minutes. And I do appreciate you guys' the questions, the interaction, always good stuff. Um, have a great Sunday. Enjoy yourself. Go watch some Purdue highlights and get ready. NFL season's upon us now officially. That's, that's a lot of fun, too. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to seeing the Colts play. So, I'm a very fair weather fan, Colts fan. Because when, when, when the Colts lose, it doesn't ruin my day, generally. It ruined my day one Sunday last year, the end of the season. But I just like to watch them play, and um, that's who I grew up with. So, uh, but NFL football being here, I know a lot of you guys don't watch NFL football anymore. The product is not as good as college football. You have very few days. In fact, you never have an NFL Sunday that's like what we saw in college football, and that's why you got to love college football. So God bless you. Hammer down. Talk to you soon. Uh, go Boilers. We'll see you uh, this week.